Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. Raise your glasses, fans of this podcast. I'd like to propose a toast in honor of the Alien Beer Podcast's first anniversary. That's right, my first episode aired on February 6th, 2020, so Saturday will mark a full year of me reading my science fiction and fantasy stories to you. I hope you've been enjoying the show. If download statistics are any indication you're out there, I can hear you breathing. We passed 3,000 downloads of episodes of Alien Beer last week. The first thousand took nearly six months, so it seems like we're picking up speed. I'm glad to hear it. I'd love to hear from all of you listening. What Alien Beer stories did you especially like? What could you have done without? Who's your favorite character in the multiverse blues? Are you sad that it's coming to an end? Yes, I said it. The Multiverse Blues has maybe five or six more episodes to go after this one. What happens after that? I have some ideas. I'd like to do another serial like The Multiverse Blues. I have some short stories that have never been published that I could put out there. In fact, for those, I'm thinking of linking them together with some kind of common thread, though I'm still hashing out what that will be. Alien Beer will go on in one form or another. I'm having too much fun reading my stories to you to quit after only a year. But please do write to me at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. I want to hear your thoughts to help encourage me to keep doing this, okay? Last time on the Multiverse Blues. Jules got cleaned up and Jimmy gave them new clothes to wear, and Jules got to see a bit more of the mysterious disconnected Earth where their new friend lives. A surprise interdimensional visitor overnight causes Jules to flee through yet another portal to yet another unknown destination, which will be revealed in today's episode. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 19, Walkin' Blues Have you ever had the feeling of being pulled in two different directions? I don't mean in the figurative sense of having a difficult decision to make. What I mean is the feeling of physically being tugged in two directions, as though gravity acted from two opposing points. I can say that I had before, though only in dreams. Until now. As I passed through the portal with Lucy, the baby Trostelian, in my arms, it was as though we stood in a hallway that spun around a focal point at my feet, and forces pulled me in both directions at once. I'm trying to convey this in the way that someone just waking from a dream might struggle to describe things that aren't possible in the waking world. This space, this place where we stood, it wasn't an actual hallway. It didn't have walls as such. No, it more resembled a tube of some kind, made up of the foggy gray nothingness of the space between worlds. Also, it moved like a living thing. Maybe I'd be better off describing it as the eye of a twister, chaos whirling around a calm center, threatening to tear apart anything that strayed from its path. At either end of the twister tunnel stood a portal into a world. I could tell nothing about either one of them, except for what my gut told me in that split second at the center of this storm. On each side, I had a feeling of home. On the one side, I could imagine a haven, a shelter from the storm. On the other, well, my gut said that while I might be safe, the child might not, and that I might be bringing danger along with me. I admit, 
In that moment of doubt, I let myself fall toward the safety rather than uncertainty and risk. I might have chosen differently if not for the wriggling, squealing bundle of baby dolphin-descended child in my care. My instincts might not be careful when looking out for only myself, but the very most important thing I could do at that moment was to protect Lucy, with my life if necessary. So I took a step, and the other portal shrank off into the distance as we fell towards the safer option. I fully expected another plunge from a height, like the one that led me to Jimmy and Lucy splashing down in the Lake Michigan of another world. The multiverse surprised me yet again. Falling became dizziness, which cleared bit by bit until I found my feet planted upon a concrete staircase. I took a couple of steps down the stairs, and we emerged into daylight in a familiar place. The sun shone down on the two of us as a chill wind swept past us. People sat on the stairs, bundled in winter coats, eating sandwiches, poking at smartphones, and talking with one another. Sculptures surrounded the stairs, and I knew that if I looked behind me, I'd see an obelisk-like monument rise to touch the sky. Indianapolis. Monument Circle. I was home. Somehow I knew that this Indianapolis was the one I called home, the one in Beta Earth, the one I'd left last week following a cat to run away with an alien diva's band, the Indianapolis in the world where I'd left Sam at the altar. No, I breathed aloud. It can't be. I have to find hope. I clipped the portal gun inside my baggy sweater and continued down the stairs until I stood on the bricks that surrounded the monument. In a daze, shivering without a coat, I found myself walking on automatic. I might be home, but another couple of blocks would take me to a different kind of home, one where I might get some help. I held Lucy close to my chest and hurried down the sidewalk, away from the circle, each sign, street name, and business I passed confirming that I wound up back on my homeworld of Beta Earth. The thought that it could be a very close analog and not my beta crossed my mind, but I dismissed it immediately. If I'd been sent home, it wasn't a fake-out version with trivial differences. I could even smell that this place was my home. Well, it used to be anyway. I rounded a corner and relief washed over me as the white neon spyglass sign appeared, marking my most recent place of employment. Probably still could be if I asked for my job back. But no, I had other things to do now. And to do them, I needed help from friends. I pulled open the heavy door to the bar and slipped inside, grateful for the warm humidity that greeted me, along with the crack of pool balls hitting each other and the sour scent of old spilled beer. Joel's cried Maxie, one of the other spyglass bartenders, peering at me through red cat-eye glasses. You're fired. I missed you too, Maxie. I made my way over to the bar. Sorry about the lack of notice, but save it. I heard you skipped out. Might want to turn right back around if you know what's good for you, she said, jerking her eyes to one side. I looked. I groaned. Sam sat at the other end of the bar, her lips pressed into a thin white line, eyes locked onto mine like twin death beams. Too late, I said. Lucy let out a high-pitched squeal of dismay. I patted her and made soft cooing noises. 
I considered making a break for it before Sam could walk over to confront me, but I knew that without money, cell phone, or even a winter coat, I couldn't just walk away. Maxie, you think you could spot me a glass of milk? The little one here is hungry. Maxie winked at me. Sure, I'll take it out of your last paycheck. I waited for Sam to come after me, but she didn't. Instead, she lifted her perfectly manicured hand and pointed at the bar stool next to her, her eyes never leaving mine. I sighed and walked over to my fiancé. Ex-fiancé, I supposed, from the look in her eyes. Hi, Sam, how's it going? I asked, accepting a glass of milk from Maxie. I held it up for Lucy to see, and she grabbed at it with little mitten hands and tipped it into her muzzle. I'll give her this. She got most of that swallow down her throat. The rest spilled into her blanket. I let her hold the glass as I propped her up on the bar between Sam and myself, as though the baby Tristellian offered shelter from Sam's wrath. How's it going? How do you think it's going? Do you have any idea how embarrassed I was when you ran off on our wedding day, Jules? Do you have any idea how pissed off Daddy was? Still is. I nodded. I know, I know, I'm sorry, Sam. I really am, but I just couldn't... She cut me off. Save it. You could have come to me, Jules. You could have said, Gee, Sam, I'm just not ready for commitment. I'm not emotionally stable enough to settle down with you the way we planned. I need to run away and join the bleeping circus and get it all sorted out first. My face flushed hot. It's not an excuse, but I did try to talk to you. You're always just so sure that it'll be fine. We just needed to push ahead, and then we'd just magically live happily ever after. I can't believe, she hissed, that you have the utter gall to blame me for leaving me at the altar. Honestly, Jules. No, that's not what I'm doing, I spat. I'm trying to make you understand where I was that day. I didn't plan to run off. I wanted to make a go of it with you, but your father... What? she cried, causing others at the bar to turn to stare at us. Now you're blaming Daddy? I closed my eyes and counted to ten, and then said one word at a time. As a matter of fact, I am. He never liked me. He told me so to my face when you weren't around. Not only that, but I know that he calls me it when he thinks I can't hear him. I heard you talking to him before I left. Sam, who'd been building up to a head of steam to blast me, pulled back and stared at me. You were eavesdropping? I shook my head. You both had your voices raised right outside my dressing room. I panicked, Sam. I knew right then that I couldn't join a family that won't give me even the most basic respect. I couldn't stand up there next to you and say with a straight face that I believe that we'd be together forever, not without the support of your family and not without you being willing to stand up for me. I love you, Samantha, and I always will, but I can't put myself in that position. I won't. So you ran, she said, looking at Lucy for the first time. I see you came back with a souvenir. I don't suppose you managed to have a baby with that alien so soon? I had to cough to cover a laugh. Laughing, even at a little joke like that, would be like throwing off sparks in a fireworks factory right now, and I didn't want to get caught up in the explosion. No, this little one doesn't even know Hope. I found her on my own. I figured we were both a bit lost and both being hunted, so we'd better stick together. As for Hope, I'm thinking she's going to know better than me what to do with a baby of her species. Sam sighed and looked away towards the door. 
If that's the case, what are you doing back here? Did you forget something? I'm not sure, Sam. I sort of just appeared here. It's a long story. Still looking at the door, she sighed and said, You know what, Jules? I don't want to hear your story. And I don't want you back. Her words stabbed at me like an icicle through my heart. But I kept my outward cool. I didn't come back to Beta Earth or to the spyglass to get you back, Sam. I need help to get back to Hope's tour. She barked a laugh at me, still looking away. <laughs> of course, I'll call you an Uber. Where is Hope's tour right now? As Lucy finished the small glass of milk, I wiped at her face with a cocktail napkin. I don't know where they are. Not likely here on Beta. What do you want from me? An interdimensional bus pass? If it'll get you gone again, I'm sure Daddy'll pay me back for footing the bill. I allowed myself a chuckle. I might just take you up on that if I can figure out where else they might be. I don't know what else you want from me, said Sam. Why are you staring at the door like that? I'm expecting someone, she said, standing up as the door opened. I'd introduce you, but I think you two know each other, at least in some bizarre way. Someone entered the spyglass. A short man, wearing a leather jacket and stylish boots, strode in, smiling at Sam, then frowning at me. He ran a hand through his shock of blue hair and shook his head in disbelief. Before me stood yet another doppelganger. Sam looked from one to the other of us and said, Jules, meet Jules. I stared at my double and said, Gamma Jules, I presume? I have got to watch what I say in the future. It looks like you might just be having better luck with my life than I did after all. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at at ecgarrison on Twitter, ecrisgarrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. Hi everyone, I'm Jay, host of the Unafraid podcast. On Unafraid, I share stories from the queer community that help us to grow, learn, and understand that while we are all different, there is an immeasurable beauty in that diversity. The Unafraid podcast is my labor of love, and I want to share that love with you. New stories are aired each week, so you can check out Unafraid on your podcast distributor right now. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.